Let's pray, Father. Thank you that you are powerful and willing to move in our lives in supernatural ways. And Lord, I'm praying for every person in this room, every person watching this online. Lord, we are in need of your healing touch, of your grace, of your provision, of uh, your restoration, God, in our lives. So we reach out right now to heaven and we say thank you, Father, that you are a good God who has great goodness stored up for the people who love you. Pour out your grace on each person in this room in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Can we just thank the Lord? Amen. Amen. Thanks. You can be seated. Good to see you guys. Thanks for coming to church today. I love being in the room together. It's a beautiful thing and uh, just uh, so glad to be worshiping with the new subs and you. Amen. Hey, I have been teaching um, a message for a few weeks called Praying Like Paul. Praying Like Paul. And uh, we're just looking at some of the prayers that Paul prayed uh, over the churches that he loved and had care for and the individuals that he loved and had care for. And um, I have found it to be pretty um, amazing for me personally. It's really brought a lot of meat to uh, my personal prayer times as I have taken the word and taken the prayers that Paul has prayed and incorporated them into my personal uh, prayer time. Um, but I just want to make sure that as a church family, we are connecting the dots on what this is about. Uh, this, is, this is our the week seven, and uh, I don't know how many more weeks we'll go until uh, I feel like we're done. Uh, there's really a lot to cover. But uh, what I want to make sure of is that we are connecting the dots between these messages, which are giving us concepts to involve in our prayer life. Uh, the technique of how you pray is going to be up to you, really. If you like getting up early in the morning, if you're a night owl, uh, if you maybe have small children or uh, your job just puts you on different and odd hours, whatever the situation of life is for you, the technique of when you pray and how much time you spend in prayer uh, is really going to be up to you. But there are, are ideas and concepts that we can all uh, put into our prayer time but the, the reason that I'm teaching this kind of stuff is that I am convinced that the call of God that's on our church for 2020 is for us to move to a greater place of prayer corporately, like gathered together praying. And if, if, we, if we're missing the, the connection between everything that I'm teaching and, and the actual idea that God is calling us to pray together. Now, pray, you sh, you sh, we all should be praying individually, but 
uh, if these messages are not moving us all to pray together, somebody say together, like gathering together in a room and praying with and for one another, then we're kind of missing the point. And I just, I have this strong um, burden and sense of insistence inside of me that our world needs more than a well-run, well-organized church. I like being well-run, I like being well-organized, but with what our world is facing right now, we need the power of God. We need the presence of God. We need the glory of God uh, in new ways that, uh, that is way beyond just what I think church has been in the past. I, I, I think... I'm going to look back on COVID and say God caused all things to work together for our good. But the days that we live in, I believe, are uh, calling upon us to not just come to church every once in a while, but to really get the idea that God wants to get into this planet. He wants to bring salvation. He wants to bring healing. He wants to bring restoration. And I've been praying this uh, Haggai 2 prayer about the latter glory of the house is going to be greater than the former glory. And I need some people to agree with me on that. And we're just going to see God do greater things. So, so I, I'm, I'm, I love you, uh, but I'm in your face for a moment. You got, you got you to pray with us. I mean, this, this is not just attend church and check that off. We got to be praying together. Amen. I love you too. Okay, Colossians 1, we're going to look at this prayer, uh, verse 9. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light." Here's the, the prayer that Paul is praying for the Colossian church and that uh, we would be praying for ourselves and for people we are praying for is that we would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding that we would, uh, that, and then all these other benefits that come out of being filled with the knowledge of his will is, is, is what we're after. That's the prayer, that we would learn how to operate by spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. Uh, early in this series, I talked about the big difference between sense knowledge, uh, you know, what your five senses can accumulate, and revelation knowledge when your spirit gets something and goes, yes, 
and, and you all of a sudden, you, you're, you have eye, the eyes of your heart start to see something. And the thing that I'm uh, after as we're talking about this prayer in the book of Colossians is a recognition that God has created a world where everything operates by divine law and principle. Uh, even the miraculous has patterns that God's intervention into human activity has patterns in it. And if we can learn those patterns, we are more apt to experience heaven intersecting with the earth in our lives. So if, if we could understand that there is principle, there is law, and I don't mean law like a rule you need to obey. I mean like the law of gravity, that in that there are principles in the natural and there are principles in the spiritual that if we would learn to understand them and figure out how they work, how God made them to work, then we could be the beneficiary of accepting those principles. So when the law of electricity, when you figure out how to use electricity and submit to electricity, electricity can work for you and cause something great to happen in your life. The law of gravity is true for all of us. And if we, learned, if we learn how it works, then we're going to be better off. If we fight the way it works, it's going to work against us. The laws of mathematics, 2 plus 2 equals 4 for all of us. Uh, we can't come to a new understanding and say, no, it actually equals 5. Uh, the laws of physics, even today, the laws and principles of biology that we need to understand this God-created man and woman, right? There are laws that govern money, and when we understand those, money becomes our friend. When we don't understand those, we're always upside down on money. The law of sowing and reaping is a law that every one of us is going to have to recognize. The Bible says, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. So, so if we sow, we can expect a harvest. If we don't sow, we can expect no harvest. There's the law of the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus that lifts us above condemnation. There are laws of faith. There are laws of prayer. There are laws of worship. There are laws that govern honoring God with tithe, and when we do that, the promise is that the windows of heaven would be open all over our life. What I'm saying is God has a way of doing things. Just like you have a way of doing things, God has a way that he does things. He operates by spiritual law. He operates by spiritual principles. And the more we understand those principles, not just know about them, but like we get it, the more we harness the power of those principles. When we submit to them, we harness their power. And I've been using the analogy of waves like in the ocean because I think 
that if we get it, if we, if we get on the right side of this, it's like when you go boogie boarding or you go surfing, uh, waves can carry you uh, further and faster than you could ever go on your own if you get on the right side of them. But if, but if we don't get on the right side of them, I, mean, I don't know if you've ever been crunched under a wave, but it's a pretty powerful force. And when we, when we obey those principles, they take us great places. And when we don't cooperate with those principles, we pay the price. And it doesn't matter how nice you are. It doesn't matter how sincere, how kind. It doesn't even matter how hard you're trying if you don't understand. So that's why Paul is praying for the Colossian church and we're praying that we would get it, that we would have spiritual wisdom and understanding. So what I want to look at today is uh, what are the results of that and how does that work in our lives? So when we're riding the waves of spiritual wisdom, we have a life of fruitfulness in work we have a life of strength, a life of growth and increase, a positive life of joy, and a high-quality life. Now, when I look at that, I say, if all that's working in my world, things are going pretty darn good. Amen? So let me review an idea or two and then dive into some fresh thoughts for today. Uh, first is a life of fruitfulness in work. Colossians 1.10 says, bearing fruit in every good work. God has called each of us to bear much fruit in our good works. Work is not a curse. You, you were made to work. You were made to contribute. You've been given a gift. You've been given a capacity, a calling, and you were made to work. You were made to be a contributor to your church, to society, to this world. Work is not a curse, but barrenness on our work is the curse. And when the Bible says that when we, when we understand the, the spiritual principles of, of, of God, that fruit is a byproduct of life that's in the tree. If, I've, if, I, if, if an apple tree produces apples because the life of apples is in the tree, right? An orange tree produces oranges because the life of oranges is in the tree, Fruit in your work, like when you put your hand to something and it works, when it bears fruit, it's the result of a healthy tree and a healthy environment doing what it was born to do. Somebody just say amen just for the fun of it, right? Submit to the laws that govern fruit bearing and watch what happens fruitfulness. It's the result of the seeds we sow and the health of the tree. Then second thing that comes out of spiritual wisdom and understanding is a life of strength. Somebody say strength. Colossians 1.11, strengthened with all power 
according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. I love this because the Bible is encouraging us to be strong. Be strong, the Bible says, in the Lord and in the power of his might. And this this verse is telling us to be strengthened with the power of God. In other words, the idea is not to be strong for God. The idea is to be strong from God. It's it's about being strengthened with the power of his glorious might. Hey, listen, life will knock you around and can put you back on your heels if you let it. And the Bible is encouraging us Don't let life, don't let the devil, don't let this world get you back on your heels and feeling timid and fearful and losing your courage. No, be strong. Be strengthened with power. Lean into life. Lean into your world. Lean into what God has called you to. I believe many of the challenges that we face are just simply opportunities to exchange our weakness for his strength. And so this is saying, telling us to be strengthened for steadfastness, hupomani, which means to remain under, the ability to stick with it. I mean, you know, if you're going to accomplish anything in life, you got to learn to stick with it, right? If you you got to stick with that marriage. I said, you got to stick with that marriage. You got to stick with those kids. <laughs> Come on. You got to stick with your church. You got you got to stick with those friendships. The ability to stick with it, to stay to last. The ability to keep on going, to persevere, to endure. It takes some strength to stick with it. The third thing that uh, it happens out of spiritual wisdom and understanding is a life of growth and increase. So Colossians 1.10 says, out of spiritual wisdom and understanding, we will be increasing in the knowledge of God. I love this word knowledge in the original in the Greek because it's the word epinosis, which means real knowledge, true knowledge. In other words, we're increasing in the real knowledge about God, the true knowledge about God, not my truth about God, but his truth about God. If we're, because we live in a day that people want to live by my truth. Take bits and pieces of approaches to life and approaches to God and who God is. Jesus said, John 17, 17, Sanctify them. In other words, sanctify means to set apart as holy. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is 
truth, right? So the truth is, if you decide you're gonna live by the Bible, you are gonna be set apart and different from the vast majority of the world and their relationship with God. I don't get to make up the rules. God made up the rules. I don't, I don't get to pick and choose on the Ten Commandments. God gave me the Ten Commandments. God gave us. I don't get to decide who, who what God is like. I have to look in the Bible and, and get the revelation. And how, however, however much you know about God, there's still a lot more that you don't know. Uh, sometimes when I'm talking to somebody and they'll say, I don't really know if, if I even believe in God. And I'll, I'll go, well, let's just think about this for a minute. All knowledge that exists, how much of all knowledge that exists do you know? How much do you know about all knowledge? Do you know 50% of everything there is to know? Well, of course not. Do you know 10%? Do you know 0.00002%? The truth is all that exists, knowledge of everything that exists in the world, and you have a little pinpoint of knowledge, maybe God exists in all these other places you just have a little bitty place. But I'm going to say, that's not just true for somebody who doesn't really know God. I'm going to say, that's true about you and me. Right? Even if you know God, even if you have a relationship with God, we've just barely touched at the surface. Maybe... There's aspects of God's nature that you still haven't figured out yet. Maybe there's aspects of God's character, God's wisdom, God's strength that you've never experienced. And I hope we could all go, absolutely, that's true. So you know what that brings me? You got to stay hungry. You got to stay humble. You got to stay teachable. Come on, if we keep interpreting everything that happens out of the little bit of knowledge that we all carry, we're going to keep our world so small and restricted. And I think sometimes people end up discarding aspects of God that could actually revolutionize their life. If I say God wants to bless you, God wants to prosper you, God wants to bring abundance into your life. But if you've got some kind of theology that doesn't allow for that, all of these ways that he could have done that, you're stuck in your little bitty space. If I say God heals and you say, well, no, that's over. That doesn't happen anymore. Then you've kept in this little space and all this that could be happening. I think we always have to know for sure we're going to stay within the boundaries of the Word of God, the Bible, but we got to know, hey, listen, we can increase in the knowledge of God. Amen. There's an alternate translation of this 
verse that I think is interesting too because it, it actually goes increasing and growing by the knowledge of God. In other words, a growing and increasing life is the result of getting to know God better. Colossians 1.10 uh, in the message says it this way. We pray that you'll live well for the master, making him proud of you as you work hard in his orchard. As you learn more and more how God works, you will learn how to do your work. How God works is tied to who God is. That's not hard. The more we know of who he is, the more we know how he works. So if God is merciful, which he is, then we know that he works mercifully. Is God a God of abundance? Hello, right? Is God a God of excellence? Is God faithful? Is God holy? How he works lines up with who he is. And the more, so it works both ways. When we know God, we know how he works. But when we know how he works, we get to know him better, right? You could tell a lot about a person by how they work. Their character, their personality, their gifting shines through in their work. So I would venture to say, if you're always late for church, everybody just stare straight ahead. If you're always late for church, you're probably late other places too. I'm just going to sit right here and let that one just sort of permeate in the room for a minute. How, how you do anything is how you do everything. Generous people are generous in lots of ways. Stingy people are stingy in lots of ways. Amen. Pastor Kirk, you are preaching a good word today. <laughs> I remember when I was working at the grocery store as a high schooler, and um, I, I like neat. I like, I like things done neatly. And uh, so we got this big shipment of these boxes. I think it was like paper towels. And, and I, had, I was assigned to stack these, and it was huge. There were tons of them. And I stacked them all, every label facing just the right direction, every corner tight and right. And, and, the, and the truth is, it's just, that's just the way I am. And it's, it's not like I can brag on it. It was that way from a little child. I like it neat. I like it tidy. I like it right. And everybody that walked by said, oh, Kirk Bowman did that. Can I say, the way God does things helps us to know 
who he is. When we know who he is, we start to understand more how he does things. Come on. Increase comes in our life when we're increasing in our knowledge of God. All right, the fourth thing that comes out of spiritual wisdom and understanding is a positive life of joy. Colossians 1.12, joyously giving thanks to the Father. When, when we start to understand God and we start to understand his ways, joy and thanksgiving start to become big pieces of the way we live. Some people try to take this tack. If you, you're just being shallow when you're being positive all the time. You're, you're just being shallow when you walk in joy. Don't you know what's going on behind the scenes? Don't you know how much evil there is? Don't you know uh, if you really knew? I'm going to submit to you that it actually takes a lot of strength to be joyful and to be positive, to be grateful for your life. Here's what I'm going to say. Cynical is easy. Negative, easy. Fault-finding, easy. Getting down on yourself, easy. Doesn't take any work, doesn't take any effort to be in a negative mode in life. Gratitude is a superpower. When you don't have gratitude, entitlement sets in. Why not for me? Lack of, lack of gratitude, I think, fuels the cancel culture. As soon as we find out something negative about somebody or something, cancel X out. Who, who cares what the whole big story of their life has been? They said something wrong on Twitter 12 years ago. Hello? Hello? Lack of gratitude just causes us to join in the outrage. Yeah. Gratitude doesn't ignore the negatives in life. Gratitude just chooses what's going to get a higher priority in my head and my outlook. It's not saying, oh, I'm, I'm just ignoring, I'm sticking my head in the sand on this. I'm just going, let's stay on the positive side. Let's stay on the faith side. Let's stay on the promise of God's side. Let's stay on the good side, on the upside, on the bright side. And all this other stuff, yeah, it's there. I'm going to pray over it for sure. But I'm not going to let it create the environment of my life. Romans 14, verse uh, 17 says, the kingdom of God is not about the rules of eating and drinking, but the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Come on. 
Give it, I love this uh, couple verses in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Somebody say always. Pray without ceasing. Ceasing in everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You might say, I don't know what God wants me to do. I can tell you, he wants you to rejoice always. He wants you to pray without ceasing. He wants you to give thanks in everything. Maybe not for everything, but in everything. God's best for our life has more to do with who we are than where we are. And I'm just saying, you could create the bubble for your own soul. The bubble for my, for my soul is going to be full of rejoicing. Whatever's stealing my joy, I ain't letting in. The bubble of my soul is going to be full of praying, connecting with heaven, right? The bubble of my soul is going to be giving thanks, finding the positives and recognizing them, giving thanks. And you might say, oh, bubble boy, Let me say to you, everybody is living in some kind of bubble. Everybody is living in the bubble of their worldview. So if their worldview is negative, they just interpret it all in the bubble. You know, if you, if you take a grumpy and complaining attitude with you, wherever you go, there you are. You're still not going to be able to do God's best. If you go to another church, if you go to another city, if you go to another job, if you get rid of her and marry somebody else, I promise you all that grumpy complaining stuff is going to follow you. You're going to take your bubble with you. Hey, man, Pastor Kirk, you are telling us the truth today. All right, here's my last thing, and then... Uh, I'm going to pray. Number five, what's the result of spiritual wisdom and understanding is a high-quality life. Anybody want a high-quality life? Colossians 1.12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. The Father has qualified you, has qualified me for my inheritance. I, I'm, I'm not the qualifier. He's the qualifier. You've probably heard in the back of your mind at some point, you're just not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not smart enough. You're not able. And I just want to be the one who tells you that's true. That's right. But your father has qualified you. It's not about how smart you are. It's not about how strong you are. It's not about how cute you are. It's about your father who's qualified you. Come on. The quality of our life gets determined by who's doing the qualifying. 
I'm qualified to do what God has called me to do because God has qualified me for my inheritance. The qualification isn't of me. The qualification is of God. You know, they, there's this concept of if you find a turtle sitting on top of a fence post, it didn't get there itself. Somebody put it there. <laughs> I, I remember several years ago, we had a guy in that was going to kind of help us with our messaging and branding and kind of just tighten things up a little bit. And he came into town and did a, this extensive demographic, psychographic, trying to figure out Asheville. <laughs> Good luck, right? He, yeah, he actually said Asheville is a melting pot that doesn't melt. But much I said, you're right about that. But after going around downtown, seeing Sister Bad Habit riding down the street, talking to people, interviewing people, doing all kinds of statistical study, he came to me, he said, you know what? Your church is a flipping miracle in Asheville. And it just made me think, turtle on a fence post, baby. Right? Because I, I know the qualification is not of me, but my father has qualified me. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse five says, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, for the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Come on, it's not about who I am, it's about who he is. It's not about what I can do for him, it's what he can do through me. It's not about who I know, but it's about who knows me. It's not about my resources, it's about his. Come on, he is your qualifier. He is your qualification. Second Corinthians 1 verse 20 says, as many as are the promises of God in Jesus, they are yes. So every promise you find in the Bible can be yours because of Jesus. Therefore also through him is our amen. That's, that's important that we go amen, that we go so be it to the glory of God. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God. God is qualified to qualify. And can I just say, as we bring this to a close, it's a revelation to realize that the quality of your life is not just dependent on you, on your strength. Your you may be smart and you may be strong in some areas, but I promise you there are places where you go, I don't know how to make this work. 
riding the waves of wisdom. Let me just go through this one more time. A life of fruitfulness in your work, a life of strength, a life of growth and increase, a positive life of joy, a high quality life. Hey, would you bow your heads with me and we could pray, just close your eyes. While I'm praying, every one of us is in need of you, your love, your help, and understanding of you and your ways. And I'm praying, God, I'm praying for marriages. I'm praying for people's provision in life. I'm praying for open doors. I'm praying for fulfilling, fruitful work. God, I'm praying for peace. God, I'm praying for joy. God, to be released to every person in this room. All the life you have in mind for all of us. We come to you today and we say yes to our God. Every head, just stay, stay bowed. Keep your eyes closed. I just want to take a moment. Maybe you're here today. You've never actually really personally surrendered to Jesus. I would love to pray with you. Come, let's start that journey. Maybe you're here today. You used to be close to the Lord, but you know you're not where you used to be, where you want to be, where you could be, where you know in your heart of hearts you should be. Come on, let's pray together. Let's take a step together. Maybe you just feel unsure. You don't have confidence about your, where you stand with God. Nobody's looking around at all. And really, this is more about you signaling to God than even for me to pray for you. But if that describes you, you say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I really want, I want a relationship with Jesus. I want a relationship with God. I want to come back. We just raise your hand real high all over this room. God bless you. Come on right here. God bless you. God bless you, sir. Come on over here. God bless you. Just God bless you all over. Come on. Thanks so much. Anybody else? Just lift your hand up real high just for a minute. Come on. Let's pray together. Let's take a step together. It's, this is not get your act together. This is surrender your heart and watch what God can do. Anybody else just want to say yes to Jesus? Thank you so much. Hey, this is for those who raise their hand, but I would love all of us to pray this prayer out loud. Let's do this together. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I want you in my life as my Lord. I know I've sinned. I have messed up, but I'm coming to the cross where you've paid the price for total forgiveness. Today is a fresh start. It's a new beginning. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, can we thank the Lord?